Hey, welcome aboard the Starlight Car. It's nice to see you again. I'm Scott B, your typical host, but unfortunately I can't stay for long. Instead, Video Game Choo Choo's own EIC, John Machonsky, is going to be joined in the parlor by Rayanne Alley to talk about his new book, NBA Jam, The Book, available now from Boss Fight Books. Our musical accompaniment is, of course, a super chill remix of Aquamarine by Magic Circuit, available off their self-titled album, Magic Circuit. You can follow them at Magic Circuit on Twitter for more information. And hey, if I can be a little self-indulgent here, you can check out everything we produce at videogamechoochoo.com and at patreon.com slash vgcc, where you can find not just episodes of the Starlight Car one week early, but other video series like our Spiral of Dragon Let's Play as well. While I'm talking about it, I just want to mention that if you go to youtube.com slash videogamechoochoo, you can subscribe for new videos every Friday if that's the kind of thing you're into. On top of our Spyro the Dragon series, we're also coming to a close on Exhumed 2, which is an edited version of our heavily modded XCOM 2 livestreams. They're a lot of fun and you should check them out. And while I'm also at it, maybe check out twitch.tv slash We typically do a new live stream every Sunday, try to get in the rhythm of that. Sometimes it doesn't happen, sometimes it does, but usually it's on. I've got one last announcement before I let you get to the interview. If you're listening on our web player, waiting for bated breath for us to come to iTunes, you can wait no longer. You can subscribe to us now on iTunes, and while you're there, if you'd be so kind, you can maybe leave us a rating and review. With all that out of the way, I think it's time to kick back, relax, and grab yourself a drink. We'll catch you after the music. Hello, folks, and welcome to episode three of Starlight Car, uh, video game Choo Choo's supposedly monthly interview podcast where we sit down and talk to folks from around the games industry and uh, pick their brains in a nice, relaxing way. Uh, I'm John. Scott's not here this time. Instead, it's me. Uh, And this time, I have decided to uh, enlist the aid, the the conversation aid, of uh, Rayan Ali, who has written a book all about NBA Jam for Boss Fight Books. Rayon, how you doing? Doing great, man. Thank you so much for having me. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm so glad to have you here. And uh, the Starlight Car is going to keep chugging, chugging down the road uh, as we go. Um, so I... I'm down with the Starlight Car. Yeah, yeah. I'll be, your, I'll be in the sidecar. I'll be in the, the side seat. Oh, you are welcome on the first class Starlight Car... Oh. All that. Don't don't you worry about that. It's it's all first class on the Starlight Car. There is no. All right. I'm expecting my little my little drinks, like you know, like my, my tiny little vodka bottles. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna lose in a couple minutes. Sure. Yeah. We'll uh we'll we'll see what we can get you, like a goodie bag or something. All right. Okay. So uh, first off, I, I guess what people would probably be interested in, or even what I would be interested in, and I guess I shouldn't leave myself out of the conversation here. Um, is I guess first off, what your history is in the games media. Um, you your Twitter account is about your book. You are very um, you're, you, I, I would say that just as someone who followed your account for a good while because you you post really cool stuff, absolutely cool stuff. 
And just at first glance, it'd be like, huh, this this person posts a lot of a lot of NBA Jam stuff, but also a lot of other stuff. So I'm wondering what your background is in the games industry and uh, maybe how you came to write an entire book about NBA Jam. Yeah, uh, that's a really good question. So what's funny enough is that I don't have too much of a background in the games industry at all. Um, So I've been a freelance writer for many years. I started when I graduated college. So actually before I graduated college, so this is about 2007, and I've done lots and lots of different writing for different places, mostly music and pop culture pieces. So I spoke to all kinds of musicians, lots of indie rock musicians, um, lots of people across a whole bunch of different genres, a bunch of hip hop people too. Hmm. I interviewed some WWE wrestlers and whatnot. Ooh. So I did, uh, yeah, lots of freelance stories for all kinds of different places all over the place. I did some of the bigger outlets that I've written for are Rolling Stone, Wired, Spin Magazine, Complex, The Atlantic, The AV Club, American Airlines In-Flight Magazine, which is an oddity, but a really cool one. Um, Red Bulls Magazine, Red Bulletin. I wrote something for them. So lots of different places, uh, probably 40, 50, um, maybe even more than that places total. So yeah, so did lots and lots of music writing for years. And then I heard of this press called Boss Fight Books. And I know that their specialty is individual books about individual games. So you know, one book will be dedicated to Galaga, mm-hmm. another book will be dedicated to Super Mario Brothers 2, another one to Super Mario Brothers 3, all by different authors. So it was a really intriguing idea of a series. And they had something on there that said an open call for pitches, which if they haven't opened it up yet, they'll probably open it up again soon. And I was really excited when I saw this. I was like, wow, I would really love to write a book for this series. This is actually the third book I have pitched. I pitched two music books. Uh, both of those got rejected by the by the publisher during the pre- during the pitch process, which happens as part of the game. Mm-hmm. But I was like, man, I really want this book. Like, I really want to do something with it. I know I can do it. So I was racking my brain. I was thinking, man, what subject could really use a book? What subject has some substantial stories or interesting people behind it? And I had a couple of different ideas, uh, but I ended up landing on NBA Jam, which was a game I loved a lot uh, as a kid. And playing again as an adult, it still really holds up. And I knew that there was going to be some really good stories behind it. I bet they're really interesting characters. And I knew a little bit about Midway. So I was a really big Mortal Kombat fan as a kid. Mm -hmm. In fact, my very first writing assignment was for a Mortal Kombat website in the late 90s. So I was probably like 12, 13, 14 at this time. And uh, the first thing I ever wrote, the first kind of stuff I ever wrote, was for this Mortal Kombat site. I remember interviewing Dan Electro from from, uh, Game Pro Magazine way back when. Um, which is super cool that I'm that he was the first person I interviewed because I got to come back to him for this book. I interviewed him again all these years later. Um, but yeah, I got to I got my start uh, with video game writing all the way back then, but I didn't do much with it. Did a couple mm-hmm. of things here and there, uh, but definitely wasn't really in my wheelhouse the same way as music writing was. But I knew I wanted to do a book about something. Then I pitched Boss Fight this book about NBA Jam. And they, they said yes, and I was ecstatic. I mean, I really went overboard in this pitch. I did 37 pages. So just for context, most of these are probably like eight or 10 pages. I did 37 pages. But I was like, man, I really want this book. And uh, they said yes, which was amazing. This is back in 2015. Wow. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to write this book. It'll only take me a year. I'll be done in a year. Here we go. Maybe two <laughs> years. And, of course, you know, 
you know, time flies, life happens. And then also when you start off a project, you don't know how big it's going to be, who you're going to meet, what you're going to learn, what direction it'll take. I knew I wanted to write a book about NBA Jam. And I knew that I wanted to have some interesting characters. But then one thing led to another. And then four years later, here mm-hmm. we are. Um, it's really satisfying. It feels like graduating to finally be able to have it out. After Actually, I've probably been working on this book longer than I was in school. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's funny how that works out. But yeah, um, but I finally got it out there. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited for, for people to read it. I mean, it's got a really cool story. And I spoke to some amazing people. I get to document a really amazing time in video games. And plus, I get to revisit all the Mortal Kombat stuff with all the Midway people. Mm-hmm. That is interesting. Yeah, you, you mentioned that you know a lot of Midway, um, but uh, was NBA Jam also something that you grew up with? Is is it a series that you are uh, particularly fond of? Absolutely. It sure is, yeah. So I've had a really interesting life. I'm half American, half Pakistani. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I grew up in Pakistan, even though I was born in Dallas. So I'm American-born, but I grew up over there from about 5 to 15. I lived over there with my dad. And so over in, so as I would say, I say Pakistan, just to get get that out there, then I say it the way I say it, which is Pakistan. Mm -hmm. So I was in Karachi, Pakistan um, as a kid. And then I remember seeing this comic book or this ad on the back of a comic book for this game. And like the colors really popped off the ad and it was for NBA Jam. And I didn't know anything about the NBA at the time. I was probably about, let's say, 10 or so. But I loved this ad. I mean, it was one for tournament edition. The colors just popped on off the page. I remember the Supersonics logo. I remember the Phoenix Suns logo. It was really just caught my eye. So then from there, I got, you know, I tried out NBA Jam and then I fell in love with the NBA. I was a hardcore basketball fan in the mid to late 90s. I mean, I really loved it. I had Beckett basketball magazines. I had cards. I, you know, it wasn't really available on the internet. So a lot of the stuff that I knew about the game came from things like other pieces of media, like Beckett basketball magazine or NBA Jam or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I loved NBA Jam and I played it a lot. Didn't get to play the arcade version, played it on the Sega Mega Drive 2, the Sega Genesis over in Europe. And I ended up playing it, loving it. And it was one of those games that really stuck out in my mind for its personality. I mean, it had all the stuff that really indicated that it wasn't just a straight, you know, it wasn't a sim game, obviously. It wasn't just a regular game. I mean, it was something where you'd play as Bill Clinton or Al Gore, play as the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or something Mm -hmm. like that. And it was just something that just really like evoked a lot of interesting stuff for me. So, you know, I always had this love for NBA Jam based on that. And then I had my love for the NBA. And then I came back to it all these years later. And what's crazy is I didn't actually play the version, the arcade version of NBA Jam until probably the, man, maybe like 2008, 9, 10, something like that. And I played NBA Showtime in the arcades when I visited the States. Uh, but I never got, I never ran across an NBA Jam machine. So I've had a really interesting uh, history with the game, but hmm. I love it very deeply. I always really loved it, but I love, I grew up loving the home console version. But now, of course, for me, the arcade head and shoulders above everything else. Right, right. So what's the experience of writing for a boss fight book specifically like? Um, since they, they're a series, but it is by different people. Are there maybe um, specific formats that you have to match or, you know, or do they just let you go wild and do what you want? Yeah. Well, what's really good is that I think that they pretty much do let you go wild. It started off with me pitching this as a documentary style book or as in a nonfiction book. In some ways it's an NBA jam novel. Like it's all real stuff that happens, but I want characters. I want a setting. 
I want people. It's not, you know, I don't really appear in the novel at all. There's a couple of things where I say this person said this to me or, you know, I'll have to, I'll give them a little bit of my opinion here and there, but glim sliver or a little sl- slim slivers of it, just, just mm-hmm. a little bit of it. So, um, yeah, the format is pretty much whatever you want. I mean, it's, if they accept it, then, the, you know, you got carte blanche to pretty much do what you want within reason. And I do know that they don't want fiction, mm-hmm. but nonfiction books about video games. So different people have different approaches. Ken Bauman, uh, who is an artist who actually did the cover for NBA Jam, the book, he did the original artwork, or rather he did the original shot of the ball on fire. There's actually a real ball on fire on the cover of the book mm. uh, that he set on fire for it. Um, he did a book about Earthbound, and his book was all about him and you know his relationship. I think it was with his brother, and it was very personal, and it was very first person. Whereas mine is all third person. I'm not a character. It's more about the people in the world around them, mm-hmm. around uh, you know that that really populated the '90s. So yeah, I decided to take it in one direction, and I was like, yeah, I don't really want to be in it. And at some point, I kicked around the idea of a forward where I tell my story because I have a pretty interesting story when it comes to NBA Jam. But in the end, the focus was all on the midway guys and whatnot. And then Boss Fight ran with it. Mm-hmm. Um. So you um you traveled quite a bit it seems around to talk to some of the folks um you or at the very least you got in contact with a good amount of them um yeah. what were some of the uh, the highlights of talking to some of these people that made a game that means so much to you uh, and maybe maybe uh, mention some of the folks that you met you know so, so um you know, like who who are the big midway folks that you met, and what were some of the highlights of uh, meeting them? There were so many people, and what's crazy about this whole process is that I've only ever met one of them. It's all been over the phone. Oh. I wrote an entire book over the phone, and I, yeah, I've gotten to know these people. Um, so yeah, the budget for this book was probably about five bucks. <laughs> okay, and it was all it was all phone calls. Um, but I did end up meeting uh, Tim Kisro. But yeah, so let me give you the rundown of the cast. Uh, let's, let me focus on the Midway side. There's a whole bunch of people in there. But on the Midway side, I got all the heavy hitters. I got the original NBA Jam development team, led by Mark Sermel, who also worked on Smash TV, NFL Blitz, uh, WWF WrestleMania, NBA Showtime, NBA Hangtime, a bunch of other games. Um, I got him. I got Eugene Jarvis, the creator, rather co-creator of Defender and mm. Robotron 2084. I got George Petro, who worked on Terminator 2, the arcade game. He also worked on Trog, Revolution X, probably a whole bunch of others. I got, let's see over here, I got John Tobias from Mortal Kombat. And he also worked with Mark Trammell closely on Smash TV and on Total Carnage. So I got him. I got, um, let's say I got Tim Kitzrow, the announcer of NBA Jam, the iconic voice. I got the two cheerleaders from the game. I got Roger Sharp, who worked on the licensing side at Midway at the time. I got Jim Green, who was the narrator of Midway's promo videos. So he had some really interesting perspective that nobody else would hear otherwise. I mean, he was one of those people on the outskirts that was really full, really great little details. Hmm. Um, I got him. I got, uh, let's say, Josh Sway, um, who was, I think actually, I think it's pronounced Tisway, Josh Tisway, um, over at so this is like i would say 95 to 2000s midway um who worked on mortal kombat mythologies and never for wrestlemania um i got john root who was there for nba showtime and nfl blitz 
Um, man, I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of midway guys, but I really try to go across the board. I mean, up and down, I want to talk to everybody. I mean, just because you, whether you're the main guy there or whether you're somebody who's be on the outskirts and have a store, I'd love to hear it. Matt Booty, who was Midway's last CEO, and now he's in a pretty important position at Microsoft, from what I understand. And he was also around there from the NBA Jam era onward. So all yeah. kinds of different people. And not just on the Midway side itself. I mean, if I go past that to the acclaimed stuff and the guests, then it really just got bigger and bigger. Right. So, uh, what are what are some of the highlights of talking to them? Like, what were, yeah, yeah, yeah. What were some of the no, like, I, big? I'm, obviously, I don't, I don't want you to just ruin the book, but um, you know, what were what were some surprising things that you heard from them? Yeah. So let's see. Some of the coolest things that I learned from the Midway guys, just how much tension there was when it came to giving the NBA Jam the license from the NBA, as in the NBA was felt really uncomfortable with the fact that they were thinking about giving a license to an arcade game. Hmm. So this is something I really ever thought about. I mean, for me, arcades are something for kids. Like their arcades are something where, you know, kids can go, of course, adults can go too, but, you know, they're kid-friendly places. The whole idea is family entertainment centers. I'm thinking of things like Chuck E. Cheese and whatnot. But in the early 90s, where the NBA was based out of, which was Times Square, the arcades were all seedy and they were all like, you know, all near the porn shops and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, it was like Times Square was not considered a safe place. So the NBA associated arcades with that and thought, okay, well, these aren't uh, good places. We don't want our name out anywhere in this area. So Midway had to convince them that, look, you're, you know, this isn't actually representative reality. You know, kids of all ages play these arcade games and there won't be anything, you know, disgusting in NBA jam or anything like that. Um, yeah. So really hearing about how tough it was for, the Midway guys convinced the NBA that they should give their license to the game was something that I found surprising. Um, also, just about the dynamics of the team. You know, I got to know about how, let's say, Mark Tremel, who's the main programmer, and then Sal DeVita, who was one of the artists, um, and then ended up being one of the lead artists uh, for the future Midway games to come. But they would get into arguments over things like, let's say, on fire mode. So Mark Jamel and Jamie Rivett, who is a programmer over there, they go out to lunch at Burger King. They're sitting at Burger King. They've got their food. And um, Mark Jamel, I think he had a chicken sandwich and fries. Anyways, they're sitting over there, and they come up with the idea of On Fire. And this is in the early stages. And it seemed like it was kind of an unbalanced version. I haven't too much heard too much of the way of details, but it was an unbalanced version. Anyways, after lunch, they come back to Midway, and they say to Sal DeVita, Mark Jamel says to Sal DeVita, hey, I've got this idea for this fire mode. You know, how about you make some graphics so I can put them in the game? And Sal DeVita just waves it off and is like, I'm not doing that. That sounds stupid. I don't want to do it. And Mark Tomas to go and use graphics from Smash TV, these fire graphics in the meantime. And then Sal DeVita is like, okay, I was making a bad move over here. We'll make you some graphics. So hearing about the, the interplay over there was really interesting. I mean, just how everything, you know, you take it for granted that things in NBA Jam are just the way they are, like those crazy dunks. Oh, yeah, that's, you know, that's a gimme. Obviously, people would like that, but the game started out with realistic dunks, and then Eugene Jarvis came along, and he was looking at some gameplay on Mark Tremel's computer and said, you know, I like these dunks, but I'd like them more if they were three times higher. And then Mark Tremel's like, oh, there's an idea. So then he tweaks the velocity of the dunks, so they're, you know, they're just jumping up in the air. And hearing about stuff like that was super cool. I mean, just how people reacted to that and then how this artist, John Carlton, 
came and saw those crazy dunks and thought, no way, what is this? This isn't a basketball game. You know, this isn't realistic at all. And Mark Trammell counters by saying, this is an arcade game. And then the, the dunks, of course, stay. On fire stays. And NBA Jam becomes this juggernaut. But all these things that you take for granted, they didn't have to happen. I mean, NBA Jam was lots of good things coming together at the right time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all kinds of cool stories over there. So I got to talk to, to a lot of folks about stuff like that. And, I mean, it was so weird thinking about the fact that I would sometimes stay late at work and i go into a little um, – at my day job and i go into a huddle room over there. And i get to call up the co-creator of Defender of Robotron and talk <laughs> about that. Like, it was just such a, a weird image. I mean, I was also in a – little booth at work in a huddle room we call them and i called up shack or rather i got a phone call from shack one day for the book which was another surreal experience so nba jams afforded me all kinds of these all kinds of cool experiences and you know weird stories that i wouldn't have otherwise i mean why is shack going to call up some dude in an office in columbus ohio if it wasn't for nba jam the book so mm-hmm. yeah lots of cool stuff like that yeah wow that that is that is really amazing yeah um, and I think, you know, one of the reasons that people do end up saying yes to this or that have been so interested in the project and so supportive is because NBA Jam really left a good taste in people's mouth, as in even with Mortal Kombat, which is beloved, there's that violence aspect. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of get negative there if you wanted to, right? You could say, okay, you know, there's, I don't like this, I don't like the gore of Mortal Kombat, or I don't like this, or I don't like that. With NBA Jam, there's so much positivity that everybody's happy to talk. The game was such a success. And had so many great stories and left people with so many great memories that everybody's like, yeah, sure, I'll talk. Mm-hmm. I only ever got a handful of projections. So that felt – that was pretty good. And I thought that was a really good sign for the project early on when I was getting, you know, yeses left and right. right. So I would like, you know, talk to three people a week. And in the, in the end, I ended up doing 68 interviews, which was way over the top. But, I mean, when I was deep into it, I was like, more, more, more. Feed me, feed me, feed me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's been a really cool process. All right. Um, so, yeah, so we talked a lot about the positives. Um, were there any big challenges that you ran into? Or, I mean, was it smooth sailing? Definitely not smooth sailing, not by any means, no. So the thing is that, yeah, I started working on it in 2015. I thought it was going to take a couple of years. And then ended up taking longer. And, you know, it's one of those things where the project grows and grows. And then you go through periods where it's like, okay, I want to stay away from this project a little bit. Then you come back and look at it again. And then you've got this idea. So there was lots of kind of finding my, feeling my way around in the dark, Mm -hmm. not knowing what I was doing with this. This is my first book. So I was like, I didn't, I mean, I had a general idea of what I wanted to be, but I had some extraneous information there, like stuff that like, you know, quotes that were too long or descriptions of games that weren't really that relevant. Or, you know, I just go too much into the weeds on a certain subject. So that was tough. Um, balancing against the day job was really tough. So this book was pretty much written, you know, at night, in the mornings, on the weekends. I've taken time off from work for it. Lots and lots of, you know, squeezing in time whenever you could. And, you know, for things like those interviews, doing them wherever I had to, whether I was sitting someplace at work, I'd go down to my car. And I remember I went down to my car and DJ Jazzy Jeff called me. That was super cool. <laughs> this is like 9.30 on Wednesday morning. Like, man. DJ Jazzy Jeff from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air is calling me in my car at 9.30 in the morning. This is great. Um, but, yeah, so you have to do what you have to do um, for the end result. But it was a lot, It was a really tough process. And especially after it got announced, we uh, announced in 2017 with a Kickstarter, which did really well. And at that point, I knew this project really, really had legs. 
Um, but then like the pressure's on more because people know that it's out there. People are expecting it. So there's a lot of pressure from that. And of course, there's all kinds of stuff that comes up in like, you know, your personal life and whatnot. And the day job too. My day job has been through a lot. Um, and right now I'm actually going through a pretty tough time over there. So it's been, uh, it's been, it's definitely been a ride. So not been easy by any means, but you know, you just keep on pushing and then, um, hope that you, you know, you live for a moment like this when it actually comes out, when you're finally at the finish line, you can say, Oh my God, I can breathe again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I still haven't felt like I can breathe. Probably won't feel real for another month or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that point then I can be like, okay, whew, I'm done. Time to relax, time to enjoy stuff without feeling guilty for not working on the book. Right. Yeah, it definitely wasn't easy by any means, but got to do what you got to do. Right. So uh, as, as someone who follows your Twitter would know, uh, you post a lot of things that aren't just NBA Jam. Of course, you do post quite a lot of NBA Jam memorabilia and factoids and all that. But you do post just like game ads and art and just uh, game history. Um, when did you shift your Twitter over to, uh, a more general focus and, uh, what do you find important about, uh, preserving the art and the advertisements and all the ephemera of video games? Yeah. So I originally started off this Twitter just thinking it's going to be only NBA jam stuff. And I'll do a few things here and there, but then after a while I was like, okay, let's not just do NBA jam stuff let's do midway stuff also and of course i've got that love for mortal Kombat, so i know where to find the deep cuts i know where the bodies are buried i know a lot of cool facts about it and i remember a lot of cool things about the games so it went from just nba jam to nba jam and midway and then i did some nba stuff in there i haven't really done that much as much as i used to so i was trying to expand it a little bit bit by bit to get an idea of okay what can i talk about it on here i mean if you you know the idea of just talking about nba jam in a day in day out as much as I love it, would just drive me up a wall. Um, I want to do something with this Twitter account. And then after a while, I started like experimenting with like, okay, let me just, let me start showing off arcade flyers. Cause if you like NBA jam and if you like midway, you might like these other arcade flyers that are out there. And there's some great sources out there that I've been able to, to dig through. And then in time it expanded a bit. So the focus is still ultimately 1990s video games and or basketball. And of course, there'll be exceptions to that here and there. I remember posting a Ninja Turtles uh, ad of some kind that was really cool that I found in a comic. I've got something Batman related that I dug up that was super rare, that's super cool that I want to share. That's from the mid '90s. Um, but the whole idea with that is is the '90s aesthetic and that whole world out there. I mean, it's so cool to come back through this old stuff and go back and see. Okay, was this stuff any good? Were these games any good? I mean, did like man? Do you remember how good this art was? or how cool the stuff was. And that's when the Twitter really started taking off. And I really felt a shift because people were saying, okay, wow, this guy can talk about some other stuff too. And he knows, you know, where to find lots of cool stuff. And um, yeah, I've been, been fortunate enough to be able to gain a bigger, much bigger audience out of this, because I think if I just had the book, it'd be one thing. But in this case now I'm like the book and the Twitter and the Twitter's really taken off. And I've gotten some posts that have done a lot of mileage, um, which is really good. I reposted one tonight, which was of uh, uh, Liu Kang and the actors of, uh, yeah, the actors that played Liu Kang and Scorpion, uh, Hosung Pak and Daniel Pasita eating mozzarella sticks on the Mortal Kombat 2 set in Mortal <laughs> Kombat 2 attire, which was great, which was one of those things that I found in an old magazine once and I held on to where I knew where it was. And then, you know, I shared it on there and that got something like 
almost like 10K likes, something like that, something crazy. And that's when I was like, okay, wow, people are really into more than just that. And it's a lot of fun um, to go through and, and share stuff like that. And, you know, video game history is one of those things where it's still so young. Mm-hmm. I mean, we still got so much stuff out there and so much stuff preserved. But I feel like not even not enough people, you know, even for as much love as there is right now, I don't think enough people are preserving the stories and really taking a closer look at stuff like this. So, you know, even though my whole focus with this is NBA Jam and Midway and, you know, America, you know, Chicago in the 90s over here, I like there's all this other cool stuff out there that it's fun to play around with and look at, okay, what was, you know, uh, what were Japanese fighting game ads like in the 90s mm-hmm. or what was Sega Dreamcast art and Sega Dreamcast commercials like in the late 90s. And it's a lot of fun and it just really allowed me to do more stuff with it. And I really love the unpredictability of what I do. Even I don't know what I'm going to post sometimes. So I ended up digging up all kinds of cool stuff. And I've been really lucky to find some incredibly cool stuff buried. I mean, I go through magazines. I go through compilations. I have some stuff of my own that I've used. I've got all kinds of cool NBA Jam stuff hidden away. So I've got really cool stuff and I've got more, much, much, much more stuff to come. What are some of your uh, favorite finds that you've that you've posted? You mentioned the uh, the Mortal Kombat one, but are there any other ones that you really love that you'd want to bring up? Yeah, man, there was one that I just did for uh, for nine nine two thousand or twenty nineteen uh, for the Dreamcast twentieth anniversary. I did this. I found this photo of <coughs> excuse me. I found this photo of Melissa Joan Hart from Clarissa Explains It All and from Sabrina. It was her playing a Dreamcast at the Dreamcast launch party at Hollywood Video. And this was in 1999. And I posted this on there, and people just went nuts over it. I had no idea people love Melissa Joan Hart this much, but, man, they love her. Or rather, they love that photo because that got a lot of love. So that mm-hmm. was a lot of fun. Um, I mean, some of the, the commercials that I've dug up, even the, the ones that aren't really good, it's fun to go back and look at them. Like, there's one for Comic Zone. Um, which is kind of like a, it's like a D and D style game that's being played, but it's supposed to be comic zone. It's just real weird. Hmm. I mean, going back through and finding all this stuff and being like, wow, that was a pretty bad ad campaign or you go through <laughs> world combat stuff. And you're like, man, look how good this stuff is. Like there's a mortal Kombat two commercial out there. That's just like better than any mortal Kombat movie. No offense to Christopher Lambert and the 995 mortal Kombat movie, <laughs> which holds a special place in my heart, but man, that mortal Kombat two commercial was just off the hook. Um, I mean, there's so much cool stuff out there that I keep finding more things. Um, yeah, man, off the top of my head, the big ones that come to mind are things like, yeah, that mozzarella sticks photo. And, um, I found some, so many cool old Capcom ads. I mean, I just love going through stuff like that. And, you know, in some ways is to promote the book and in other ways is just to share some fun stuff. I mean, I'm a big fan of stuff like this and it's, really enjoyable to go through old magazines and be like, Oh my God, do you remember this? Or look at something that you've never seen before. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's a lot of fun and it gives me something to do. Um, what are some of your other favorite games? Um, you know, other than the ones that you've mentioned previously, what are, what are some of your all time favorites and maybe some games that you're playing recently? Yeah. I have not really been able to play many games, uh, recently, honestly, Mm -hmm. not just because the book, but, yeah, because it's some family stuff and because I – it's one of those things. I love video games, but it's what it can easily be a time suck. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to balance that against a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but, yeah, I've definitely got a passion for, I'd say, pre-2000s games the most, but there's some post-2000s games I love too. So all-time favorites. 
of course, NBA Jam is up there. The original Mortal Kombat games. Mm-hmm. You know, I love Mortal Kombat 4. People give that game some trouble, but man, I love Mortal Kombat 4 too. Uh, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, that original series, has a real deep place in my heart. Love, love, love Twisted Metal, um, especially Twisted Metal 2. I mean, that game's a classic. I love the original Super Mario series on the Nintendo. I mean, there's so many great Nintendo games. I love Punch-Out, love Ninja Gaiden, love Double Dragon 2. I mean, all those classic Nintendo games really, they're one of those things where I feel like you can go back and play them and they're still really good. They're, they're still a lot of fun. Um, let's see some other ones. Love arcade games overall. So all those Midway Sports games, NFL Blitz, NBA Showtime, those are some classics too. Um, I would say those are the biggest ones that come to mind as far okay. as the older games go. Yeah. I had a, so just to give you an idea of my history with video games for, so it was first I played super Mario on the Nintendo in the mid eighties or the late eighties when I was a little kid. So I went from Nintendo to Sega Genesis, which was the second mega drive two over where I was. And then I went from that to the PS one PS one to dreamcast. Actually game boy color was somewhere in between there too. And then up to those Dreamcast and PS2. And then that's when I started slowing down. So I had a PS3. And then just recently, in fact, I got a PS4. And now they've already announced PS5. And I just got a PS4, like within this year. Um, So I'm way behind it. But yeah, otherwise, I've played Mortal Kombat 11 lately. Really like that game. There's something that means a lot to me to be able to play a game from the same people that worked on the original games. Just that connection itself. You know, mm-hmm. there's a sentimentality over there. Plus, it's a really fun game, too. Been playing in a lot of Injustice, too. Mostly fighting games. I really love fighting games because you can pop in and out. Mm-hmm. I did mention Street Fighter. I love Street Fighter. Um, you know, I really like like fighting games. You know, I can play them for a spell, and then I can take myself out. Mm-hmm. I haven't been get really deep with a game in a long, long time. But I'm hoping, you know, maybe after all this dies down, maybe I'll take a social media hiatus or do something Mm -hmm. like that. And then I'll be able to like really dive into a game and like, just be like, okay, just focus on the game with nothing else over there. But those are some of my favorites. Right. And um, of course you did mention wanting to wind down a bit afterwards, but I do, I do want to ask after the NBA jam book is out, is there anything that you are planning on working on afterwards or maybe another game that you'd want to focus on? Or is this maybe a one and done sort of deal? I don't think it's a one and done deal in the way that I don't, I don't think my next, I don't know what my next project is to be just yet. Mm-hmm. I've got a few ideas, but I'm also, you know, want this time, you know, I learned the fact that, you know, I worked on this game on this book for so long that like, okay, what I really should have done was, um, I mean, obviously I should have planned a few things better, sure. But one thing in my head was I feel like I definitely underestimated how long the process took. So for whatever next project I do, if it's something substantial, that I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to, you know, I'm really going to pace myself this time or get an idea of, okay, I'm going to need some padding over here. I'm going to need a break over here, or maybe it'll be this big, or maybe I'll have to cut this out. So I definitely want to return to video games. I've got a couple of ideas floating around for uh, for stories about video games. I'd really love to do something about Tiger. Really want to do something about Tiger Electronics and that whole empire. I mean, those guys had the license to every game out there. And those, they were huge in the 90s, even though, you know, when you talk to people about Tiger games now, people are like, those are garbage. Like, why? Like, these games are so bad, but everybody loved them. And they, you know, they sold like hotcakes back in the day. So I'm not sure if I'd want to do a book about Tiger, but that's one I'm floating around. Um, definitely want to work on some other stuff. 
definitely, uh, this is the first book of many to come. Don't know if my next one is going to be about video games or what it's going to be. Um, yeah, still figuring that out, but definitely want to do more video game stuff in the future. And I want to return to it. Not sure for the next project, but I definitely want to come back to video games. And I've got a few ideas in mind, but they're so tentative that I don't want to say too much. But the Tiger one is just the one that came up recently that I'm like, man, I bet I could totally write a really good Tiger story. I bet there's something really good and nobody knows any of these people. None of this is touched. As far as I know, there's nothing out there about Tiger so far. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was all extremely illuminating. Um, I look forward to reading more of your book uh, as as time goes on. Um, if you could, uh, please let the uh, the good folks listening know exactly uh, where they can uh, purchase it once it's freely available. Well, actually, before that, I have a question for you. Now, this isn't to put you on spot or anything. So, of course, if you've not even opened it, no sweat. But if you've read the book, uh, how far have you gotten? Just out of curiosity, or what have you read? I've read a little bit of it. Um, I skimmed through here and there, but uh, I, when I sat down to actually like read read it, I've read like halfway through the first chapter. Um, awesome. It's it is very good so far, though. I am enjoying it. So um, yeah, no sweat. No, no, no. I always felt weird. Like I do lots of musician interviews, and then musicians would ask me, "Oh, how'd you like the album?" or "What do you think of the album?" And it's like uh, I'm talking <laughs> to the guy that made it. Like I'm kind of put on the spot. I have to say nice things. Like if I'm like, actually, yeah, I wish it was a little bit different, or you know, this or that, or even if I like it, I always felt kind of weird about that. So not to put you on the spot, just to get an idea of where you were context wise. Okay, cool. Um, so yeah, so you're just getting into the basketball mm-hmm. stuff over there. So yeah, much more to come in terms of the uh, the focus on Midway and that whole world. So you're just starting off. So okay, cool. Yeah. So yeah, you haven't gotten into a uh, real deep end of Midway, but I mean, it's so cool is that I got got to use this one book to like talk about basketball, video games, and talk about Defender. Mm-hmm. I've got I can I've got a paragraph in there about Robotron, something about you know NFL Blitz, the last days of Midway, Acclaim and Midway's relationship falling apart. Of course, NBA Jam got some Mortal Kombat stuff in there, so I got so much stuff in there that was a lot of fun to be able to to get that in there. So I was just curious, um, but yeah, let's see. So the book is going to be officially out uh, in digital on October twenty second. Uh, mm. We just unfortunately heard about a delay from the printers, uh, the guys who are actually doing the physical printing of the book, that the physical copies won't be mailed out until November fourteenth. So the upside of this is that I can kind of space out the next few weeks. Instead of having to cram everything into Tuesday, you know, I've already got some amazing things planned for for Tuesday as far as stuff that I'm gonna share, stuff that I'm gonna do on there. I don't want to say too much, but that I've got some really cool stuff. Um, but yeah, so from there, like from that that time frame from Tuesday until the the 14th, I'm guessing I'm gonna be celebrating their launch of the book and it being out there. So yeah, if you've got an Amazon Kindle, you can go over there and buy it right now. I don't have a link for it offhand, but yeah, just uh, look up Amazon Kindle NBA Jam book and you'll be able to get to it. Also, tinyurl.com slash NBA Jam book if you're interested in the physical plus the digital. And mm-hmm. uh, the, those have just started going out to the Kickstarter backers and I've, got, I've gotten lots and lots of positive feedback, which is great. Um, it's super gratifying to hear people reading it and talking about it and whatnot because you know you spend so long working on it like will this ever see light of the day of light of day will anybody else ever talk to me about this will they know what i know so it's super cool to see that but yeah tinyurl.com slash nba jam book i'm on twitter at nba jam book over there um yeah you should absolutely follow if you're into old game stuff and old pop culture i have a lot of fun stuff that i post 
Um, and I'm always finding more cool stuff and always happy to, to talk and interact and whatnot. It's always a blast. Um, yeah, so those are the main places for the book. And then more stuff to come in the future. But Tuesday's the big day. Long, long time coming. Um, and then the physical release will be here before I know it, too. All right. Well, congratulations on the release coming up. Um, and thank you all for listening to this episode of The Starlight Car. Uh, we are available on Patreon a week early. That is patreon.com slash VGCC. If you just donate $3, you get access to podcasts like this, as well as our Let's Plays a week early and our anime podcast, Chuchigatru Unlimited Trainworks. So please feel free to donate. Uh, and that should do it. We will probably be doing a normal sort of schedule i just wanted to talk to uh ray on here before the book came out because you know i didn't want to be like oh hey let's talk in a month and a half <laughs> yeah yeah i wonder what i'm gonna be talking about in a month and a half because i've you know this is I, st- I still got a lot left in the tank um not sure what i've like yeah i don't know what, what's gonna happen next month and a half but who knows um thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it it's been a blast Thank you for being on, and uh, we will potentially have another passenger in the Starlight car very soon. Thank you so much for listening.